Impala Films presents Haunted, the audio drama. Season 2, Episode 10, Death of the Author, Part 4 of 4, written by Benton Hodges. This may be our most insane plan yet. It's certainly up there. Dan's revelation, apparently provided by his co-worker Lucy, had us catching the first train to Scarborough without even time for an afternoon drink. And while I wished to jab at my companions for my morning discovery further, bigger things were at hand. So this Carter Stone, how have I never heard of him? Because you live under a rock. Well, remember our government sold the National Railways? Carter Stone was one of the major players in the buyout, but in the last few years he went into environmental stuff, which made him more relevant to today's youth. Yes, but how the hell is he relevant to this case? He's a major philanthropist, and an enormous amount of his money goes towards the arts. Last in the Box is obviously a shell company kept afloat by payments disguised as its actors' memberships, which would be something for the police to handle if the company in question weren't hosting a strange disappearing play that causes its audience members to act erratically. I mean, that's potentially culty. And if anyone was going to be a cult leader, it would be a rich philanthropist with a Waldorf estate in, you guessed it, Scarborough. Where Tom and Sarah went before their sudden return. It goes deeper. Look, this is their website with the list of new members. Look who joined last night. Tom and Sarah? I'm assuming the others were bar staff. And probably the audience members from other showings. They all sign up a few days after. And how exactly did Mr Warren Beatty manage to secure that? For who? One of Hugh Hefner's sidekicks. It was a great song about him, sort of. Getting back on track, the event seems to be a masked gala affair for a fundraiser. The event in question promised to be fancy, far more fancy than I was accustomed to. But at least it gave Dan and Abigail a chance to reuse the dress and tuxedo they'd bought when we'd attended our first high school prom several months earlier. I was stuck with my usual travelling garbs and had to attempt to spruce up my usual waistcoat and tie. I waited till they returned one after the other. The dress code was masquerade, so we had opted for large sequined masks that resembled animals grabbed from a costume store. Fortunately, they covered a good two-thirds of our face. How long now? Just an hour. Should be getting dark by the time we arrive. Do you think Oscar DeWitt will be there? Why would he be? It seems he barely exists. Well, he wasn't an audience member or an actor. If the cycle starts with his play, then where the hell is he? Knowing cults probably locked up in a basement somewhere. Perhaps we should discuss our cover story and goals, lest we wander around like headless chickens. We are playing to our strengths. Abby is a Silicon Valley upstart tech mogul, Carlotta Morgana, and wife of protection consultant and liaison to the home office, Maxwell Morgana. Oh wow, Carlotta and Maxwell. You two really are milking the undercover thing. And what am I, the chauffeur? As funny as that would be, we don't have a car. I'm sorry, what was that thing we've been driving around in for the last few months? Uh, Well, first of all, we left that parked in Leeds and it's hardly elegant. So many parking tickets. And and secondly, you're probably going to be drinking a lot of this, right? That would be a safe assumption, yes. Then you wouldn't look like the best chauffeur. You're an investor. Big money, bigger heart. Bigger drinking problem. Get 
drunk, make some promises of pledging millions, make a scene, then look for the bathroom. Okay, and what will you two be doing? I'm going to try and find his office. I'll clone everything he has onto this SD card. Which leaves me trying to infiltrate the circle of aristocrats and billionaires. What could possibly go wrong? Capture? Torture? Death? I was being facetious. We could be hung, drawn and quartered before tea time. Dan's story that his allies in the police were able to help him was certainly put to the test when a limousine was awaiting for us outside the train station. The sun had begun to set on the town, but as we reached the coast and began to ascend, it had truly left, leaving the car to plunge through the seaside roads in near blackness, only illuminated by the silvery glow of the moon. As we drew closer to our destination, I could respect its resplendent appearance. Carter Stone's mansion was a Tudor-era estate that literally hung off the cliffs above a 500-foot drop, only kept in place by timber and long screws. On a stone pillar a hundred feet from the coast, a domed observatory rested, like a large lidded eye, a stone bridge linking it to the mainland. The building itself was surrounded by a tall brick wall, with large iron spikes topping them off. The entrance, an enormous wrought iron gate, was slowly opened for the approaching limo by two servants, both clad in black tie and mask, resembling that of a plague doctor, or perhaps a mosquito. So your friend in the police managed to arrange all this? Yep. Pretty good, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. No, no, I mean I don't believe you. Our notoriously overworked, underfunded police force was able to set all of this up in a day. Uh, look, I'm not supposed to talk about it. I'd like to know who set this up before we are outed, captured, and I'm tied to a table with a laser beam pointed at my groin. It was, uh... The police were already looking into it. Right, Dan? Yeah, that, that's why my requests kept getting squashed. Turns out they had undercover interests in it, uh, which I guess is us now. Wow. They must be really struggling if they're willing to put a suspended officer into such a dangerous situation. Well, at least the pension's good. The limo continued up the pearlescent stony path before turning into a large ring that prefaced the mansion. Each wall of the mansion was lined with enormous, ornate, single-framed windows that were tinted. Impossible to see into, yet I'm sure those inside could look out. Two masked servants waited at the door as the driver left the limo and opened it for us. Abigail exited first, followed quickly by Dan. Thanks for covering for me. I'm surprised you lied to James. You trusted me with that secret and it's serious. I promise I won't tell anyone. Thank you. Right then, let's infiltrate the 0.1%. I had never been more glad to have my face covered as we turned the corner guided by a masked servant into an opulent ballroom packed to the brim with gowned, suited and masked attendees. The accents were thick with elitism, the eyes behind the masks glowering with condescension. The ballroom moved as one entity, talking, breathing, proclaiming, gesticulating. It heaved together, it undulated together. It oozed sleaze together. A heat simmered in the air, like the entity was one gong sound from making like the Borgias of old. 
I half expected to see a bowl of keys waiting on the table beside some suspect pies when a man in a bird mask approached us. First time? Excuse me? It's your first time, isn't it, love? The little cat mask can't hide the deer-in-the-headlights look you have. Don't worry. I can show you the ropes. Is that your old boss, Norman? I'm Maxwell. This is Carlotta. And you are? Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. First rule here, no names. Keep the business talk outside. Right. Are there any other rules we should know about? Only one other important one. These meetings remain our little secret. But I'm sure that was explained with your invitation. Exactly. Is there an itinerary for the night? Really? These are mostly just for our gracious leader to show off and find a few people to donate. But we find other ways to enjoy ourselves. Wonderful. Uh, Come, Maxwell, I need to find somewhere to put my coat. James, distract Norman. I'll try and give Abigail an out to sneak around. On it. Oh, I think my entire skin just actually crawls. Well, we always knew he was a creep. Yeah, but he's like my godfather, so extra gross. Well, at least we know why your requests kept getting squashed and why those records got wiped in Greenvale. Fuck. What are the odds that the first person we meet at a masked ball is someone who knows us both very well and knows we shouldn't be here? Cosmic sods law. I watched as the pair slipped away skittishly, hand in hand, playing the part of young newlyweds very convincingly. They made the occasional greeting as they slipped through the hall towards one of the many doors that spewed guests to and fro. Soon they were lost in the traffic and vanished out of sight, leaving me with the bird-faced facade of the highest-ranking officer in the UK police system. The question on my mind, however, Was he here to simply satiate some perverted itch, or was he part of something far more nefarious? It was well observed that the Freemasons had many levels, with the secrets kept at the top. Is this a similar society? The lower tiers kept for preening socialites, while the upper echelons held dark machinations. What would our investigation uncover? You look like you could use a drink. You read my mind. Are you a champagne man, or would you prefer a single malt whiskey? That... that whiskey sounds good. See when? Our gracious host, would you be able to point him out to me? The one in the red-pressed suit over there, surrounded by preening sycophants. Interesting. I'll have to talk his ear off later. When? Uh, That bottle looks almost empty. Mind if I polish it off? (laughs) You were going to fit in around here. If you don't mind, I need to go powder my nose. Go ahead. I'm happy to just mingle. Right. Operation Get Drunk and Make a Fool of Myself is a go. An operation I was truly made for. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? 
Go stream something new on Hulu. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Oh, this place is a maze. We're never going to find his office. I think we might be on the wrong side. Why? Call it a gut feeling, but if you had an office in a house like this, it would have a sea view, right? That's a good idea. You've been on fire this week, Dan. Yeah, let's hope this hot streak doesn't end soon. Yeah, or it'll be up to me to solve everything as usual. Hey, as usual. I seem to remember saving your ass from a burning church after taking a bullet. Then I saved you from vampires. Well, I found the remote pet feeders in the Sunderland case. And I found you a serial killer. <laughs> God, it's, it's been a weird year, hasn't it? I wouldn't change it for the world. Okay, actually, I would change the bit about getting infected with the signal. Oh, and I'd change these masks. We really shouldn't have sprung for cheap ones. My face is on fire. Oh, thank God, it's not just me. It feels like I'm getting a chemical burn. Right, I have to take this off. It's, it stinks so much. Oh, God, that is so better. Yeah, mine's coming off too. Oh, oh shit, go back, go what? back! What? Two servants at the end of the hall, guarding a door. It must be the office. Someone's coming from behind us. Oh, fuck, it's Norman. Quick, into here. Through the masks, though. We left them... No time! Oh, oh, oh nowhere to hide. How, how many parlors does this guy need? It sounds like he's coming in. Get in the corner. What? Stand in front of me, in the corner. Back to the door. You're taller than me. Uh, okay, just wait, wait. Oh, sorry. I thought this was the bathroom. Don't let me interrupt you. Okay, he's gone. Uh, you were... you just kissed... Take my heels. Wait, wait, what are you doing? The ledge out there, huge stone ledge, runs right across the building. I bet it goes to the office, so take my shoes. You're not thinking of going out there. Abby, it's a 500-foot drop into the sea. I'll be fine. It's not like you would fit on the ledge or be able to pick the window open or hack his computer. Abigail, you can't... Trust me. Ah, okay... Just come back safe, all right? I promise. Right. Well, that just happened. I, uh, I guess I'll try and find this stone guy, get my mask back. And that's, that's the first time I ever tried it. 
Let me tell you, you quickly learn who your friends are when they find you with a blow-up extraterrestrial sex doll in a bed. But I'm telling you, Preston put it there, and and those conventions are always just like that. They're just they're just filthy, filthy things. Oh, how appalling. I'll be right here if you need me, but no one ever needs me. But I need a bed. You there, I need a place to lie down. All the bedrooms are in the private area. I really think... Thank you, good sir. You are a rose amongst thorns, a gentleman and a scholar. Please, if I don't lie down, I think I am going to... Uh-oh. My Oscar-winning performance earned me quick passage through a set of doors which were constantly being watched. The servant, who seemed vaguely familiar, yet with the mask I couldn't quite place him, led me through some corridors in a further portion of the house, before leading me into an ornate bedroom equipped with cast iron tub and four-poster bed. Oh wow, this, this is the good stuff right here. I'll have to make sure to give Carter plenty of big donations for your help, kind sir. You are an angel and a benevolent flower, and a swan amongst geese. Why are you still here? Oh, sorry, sir. I'll let you rest. Thank you, good sir. Good kid. Far too gullible, though. Once he was out of earshot, I leapt into action, creeping out of the room and through the labyrinthian hallways of this mansion. While each room seemed benign, one thing out each window kept catching my eye. The curved monument to the stars, the observatory. I made my way towards a set of double doors and opened them, immediately greeted by the salty sea air and a daunting 500-foot drop, prevented only by a thin banister. Slowly, I made my way across the large bridge, thanking my foresight for only faking my inebriation, for a tad more and I would definitely have toppled over to a certain doom. 500 feet below were sharp, rocky needles, certain to impale any escaper. The pillar that the bridge led to was surrounded by the same intrusions, crashed into by heavy, unsettled waves. I was only illuminated by the moonlight and turned to check I wasn't being watched. Is that... Abigail? Surely enough, on the second floor feet on a tiny stone ledge, back pressed against a wall, my companion was slowly edging herself across the walls towards a large set of windows. She reached her goal and grasped onto the frame. Even from here I could see her sigh a breath of relief, and while still holding on for dear life, try the windows. Thankfully they were unlocked, and deftly she slipped through the open window, out of sight. She really does have a death wish. Content that she hadn't plummeted to her doom, I turned back and continued towards the observatory, trying the large steel door handle and sighing with relief as it opened slowly, scraping against stone. I paused before fully opening it, realising that there were slits at the base just large enough to slide things under, not to mention the door seemingly locked from the outside. Was this some sort of jail cell? I turned on my torch and entered, gasping immediately in shock.
Well, if they ever do a Catwoman reboot, then they know who to call. Let's see. I'll start with the computer. Password. Hmm. Okay, come on. Be a good boomer and write it down, please. Oh, thank you. Perfect. Right, SD in. And all of your files belong to us. Emails? Yeah, I'll copy all of those too, thank you. And what's the bet there's a safe behind that photo? Oh my God, I need to get a photo of that. Make sure I'm not disturbed. Shit. Oh, under the desk. I've got important business to see to. Oh, Mr. Stone. Can I help you? I was hoping to help you, actually. Sorry, I tried to catch you earlier, but my wife got lost, and I would love to talk to you about investing in your foundation. Really? Well, why don't you step into my office? We can have a lovely glass of scotch. I noticed you had a billiards table. Always do my business over that. (laughs) A man after my own heart. Right this way, sir. Thank you, Dan. Out of the window time. The large rounded ceiling of the observatory echoed my footsteps off its grim walls. More remarkable was how silent this room was, as if I had stepped into a sensory deprivation chamber, the crashing waves outside silent in here. Under the light of my torch, the walls seemingly undulated and warbled, as if beating like the organ of a giant monster. Slowly I rose the torch up, and was shocked to see that someone had made carvings in the ceiling. They were haggard, ragged, and yet somehow precise drawings of star maps extending across the entirety of the roof. A ladder was tucked into the corner, seemingly how the artist reached his canvas. However, as my torch shone towards the centre, the discovery turned more grisly. Perhaps when the tool broke, the sculptor clearly had broken too, as the map continued, but in shallow scrapings marred with blood. He'd clearly used his fingernails until they bled to carve the ever-watching eye in the centre of his map. The rest of the room was fairly empty besides a telescope pressed against the wall. The telescope was powerful, long, and positioned such that the observer couldn't escape through the slits through which the telescope protruded. The prisoner's bedding was in the corner, meagre, mouldy sheets. I sifted through the contents, and to my shock, a leather-bound book slipped out. A diary. The diary of one Oscar DeWitt. I met with an interested publisher today. Carter Stone. THE Carter Stone! Mary was so proud. He was supposed to be a patron. Someone to make it all finally worth it. The the, the late nights, the the missed events, all those loans. I signed some papers and he he led me out to this dome. The door's locked. I I can't leave. I've hammered on the door for hours, but maybe this is just some hazing ritual. All I've been left with is a, a, a telescope, a chisel pencil and some paper. 
What have I gotten myself into? Day two. I've been left all alone again. I waited till night to look through the telescope, but there's something off with the lens. It's really blurry. It, it, it hurts my eye to look through it for so long. I, I tried pounding on the door again, but no one responds to me. Why is this happening? Day seven. A full week of no interaction. They, they, they just pass me food under the door. They, they leave me to rot here. Last night I discovered if, if you squint in the telescope in just the right way, it's so beautiful. The heavens are, are so bright and vibrant. I begin to use my chisel to, to mark my discoveries. Is this what my captors want? There's a fly in here. Perhaps an, an, an egg was laid on my food. It, it buzzes at all hours of the night. I, I can't find it. I, I wish it would just fly out and stop all the buzzing. Day 28. The cosmos teems with so much energy bursting at the seams. Whispers and murmurs of galaxies from eons past. Chaotic black holes and pulsing quasars, supernovas that, that detonated across the stars in a time when dinosaurs still roamed the Earth. And yet, they're still there. Still marked across the sky like a beautiful tapestry, slowly picked apart by Penelope at her cosmic loom. My star map grows more intricate with each day, and it is drawing me somewhere. Towards the center. There's something there. I can feel it. I could focus for longer if it would shut up. Why can't I find that fly and stop the fucking buzzing? Day. I saw it. Out there. Way out there beyond. In the space between everything and nothing, I saw her. She was so beautiful, so incandescent, walking the basalt cliffs bare and dancing in this diamond rain, so brilliant, so pure. I wish to see her again. I wish to see her every day just to make the sun jealous of her shine. Even through a lens, she makes my soul glow. I didn't mean to spy her. I didn't mean to get caught, I, I swear. But I couldn't look away. She is like a, a necessity, an, an addiction. I just, I couldn't move the, I, I couldn't move the lens away from her light. She looked at me right at me through the telescope and pointed and I knew she wants to come here to dance with me to lift me up from my mortal filth and hold me in her arms I don't deserve it I can't deserve it she would come here with me if only I could stop that infernal buzzing He was here, with me. We danced and 
danced in the rain. Oh, so brilliant rain. Each droplet of flawless brilliance. She whispered her name. Metis. In a voice so pure and a touch so soft, it would ruin luxuries for any other man. For her to dance with someone so base. So harmful, so impure. At this moment, at this point in time, there is no distinction. Heaven and hell slumber in the same bed tonight. I can't remember my wife's voice. I can barely remember her face. Let alone her name. The fucking Buzzing! It grows worse every night. Each baleful flap of its wings forcing me to know that I am lower than muck. Lower than the maggots that roll in the filth. What was her name? How foul am I to forget my loved ones and lay with another? My filth would stain her purity if it were not so Right. If the only dung beetle navigates home using the stars, then it must know their secret. I would listen to it but for a day, to hear their teachings, to be their prophet. Their eggs are there, beneath my skin. I see them like little bubbles in glass. They wriggle and move with vile intent just beneath the flesh. They will hatch one day, one day soon, and I will be their dung, guided home by the stars. If Athena was born of thoughts so pure, then what baleful deluge will come from my mind? The eggs have hatched, I feel them crawling, wriggling of every wrinkle of my brain. Like a cricket's chirps, their ministrations talk to me. Tell me the truth. We are nothing. Every thought, every feeling, every hope, every dream. Nothing but food for the flies. The universe breathes each star civilization, another heave of its vibrant lungs, but one day that light will fade, and all that will be left is a corpse for the flies. She dances in the diamond rain, more incandescent than the sun, with splendor mighty Saturn, like Metis on Jupiter's brain. Wait, that, that, that poem. Writing that poem, it, it, it stopped the buzzing. If only for a brief moment. Relief, sweet relief. To actually hear myself think the, the, the bubbles, those horrendous things beneath my skin have quelled. Mary, Mary, I can hear your voice. I can remember your face, Mary. I can feel them waking again. I need to write more. I need to get this out of me. And that's all he wrote. What did they do to this man?
Quietly, I ran my hands across the journal, not knowing what to think or say. This poor man imprisoned for no crime and pushed past the point of sanity for the sake of... Well, I don't know. As my thumb idly rubbed the spine of the book, I felt an odd, hard lump. Gently, I massaged the lump slowly down the spine till it popped out and clattered to the floor. No. I crouched down and slowly picked up the item that had fallen out. Brilliant, beautifully cut, and the size of a thumbnail was a flawless diamond. Right. I'm taking the telescope, too. You should be in here, sir. Oh! Oh, sorry! I thought this was the bathroom and I... Oh, fuck it! Quickly, I swiped at the servant's mask and ripped it off his face and threw it aside, needing to confirm a theory I had. I knew it. Tom, what are you doing here? Tom suddenly began convulsing feverishly, crying out in agony as his mouth and eyes opened wide to allow an avalanche of maggots, flies, cockroaches, and all sorts of creatures to burst forth. What was left was his skin, papery and flaky like the surface of a hive, reduced to a husk. A large reddish form within was beginning to undulate, and suddenly it burst out of the skin hive, beating its long wings to create a high-pitched drone as an arm-length proboscis tore its way from its body. And that is my cue to fuck off! I hope you don't mind if we do away with the mask formality. Makes it quite hard to play. Besides, you already know who I am. Uh, yeah. Well, forgive the phone, sir. Just letting my wife know where I am. No worries. You're younger than I expected. <laughs> I get that a lot, oh, Carlotta, too. Means people underestimate us. Noted. And perhaps I underestimated your billiards ability. Maxwell, was it? So, you're interested in donating to our little organization. Yes, I'd love to know more about what you do. Art is never finished, only abandoned. You know who said that? Uh, I'm going to take a shot in the dark here, but say Hemingway? Uh, good guess, but it was Da Vinci. A man of many secrets, a man of genius. His truth is what we uphold here. A foundation devoted to continuing a story that has yet to unfold. An artwork that began millions of years before man dared to crawl out of the ooze. A story that's yet to finish. Like Penelope pulling at the threads of her tapestry. Ah, Norman. Glad you could join us. Daniel? Oh, shit. You know this man? He's one of my officers. One who is less easily dissuaded. Well, he was. You just had to keep digging, didn't you? You and Abigail and that fucking drunkard. Well, if you thought I could make life hell for you all before, just you wait. 
you and your girlfriend can rot in a cell and wait till I make that sanctimonious reverend bitch's- You stay away from my mum, you creep! Abigail? Dan, we need to get off here now! Not yet, Mr. Stone. We need answers. Where did he go? No time to find him. I just saw James running for his life. Let's go! You're right, you're, you're limping. Yeah, I'm fine, but I think I broke a toe kicking him in the balls. Totally worth it, though. <laughs> Definitely. All right, come on, give me your arm. A left here. No, no, definitely not a left. A right, certainly a right. Out of the way. Ah! ah! Oh, brilliant. You got the let's get the fuck out of here right now memo. What horror's chasing you? An angry Norman. Abigail literally emasculated him. Nice. Wait, what? Literally? He'll be singing in soprano for a while, that's for sure. Fantastic. Let's leave this party fashionably early. The three of us, heavily weathered by our adventures, sprinted out through the double doors and into the courtyard, ignoring the servants who began to convulse beside us. By the time we reached the limo, the intense humming started again, deeper and fuller. What the hell is that? Our missing persons turned actors, turned horrors. Do not stop running! Mr. Limo Driver, gun it! There's a photo I saw, James. I need to show you. He had it in his office. I think that can wait unless you want to meet Jeff Goldblum's greatest role. Ram the gate, Mr. Driver. I doubt they'll be courteous enough to open it for us. I hope your evening was as fruitful as mine. I completely cleared his computer and... Oh, will these things ever give up? Right, Abigail, raid the drinks cabinet. Dan, I presume you played sports ball back in the day? Sports ball? Get up through the sunroof and start lobbing the bottles when they're lit. I'll get us some cloth. Okay, Prosecco? No, won't light. A Sancerre? Still not strong enough. Martini? Martini? It's a drinks cabinet in a limo, not the booze all at Lidl. Those things are getting close, real close. Okay, vodka, 60%. Perfect. Here you go, Dan. Bullseye! Nice throw, deputy. Right, we need another bottle, quick. Whiskey sours? Ugh, throw it. And it's gone! Okay, single malt Lafroy? Absolutely not. What? Of course, it would burn! We're not throwing a 20-year-old single malt. Find another bottle. But the rest is just champagne. James, we really can't be doing this right now. Oh, fine, give me the bottle. Good night, sweet prince. James! Yes! And that's the last of them! Thank God. This is going to be a hard one to explain to the police. I think I know a way out of this. Yes, it's a fascinating lens, that's for sure. Kaleidoscopic in nature, and yet so minute you don't notice it. The tiny little stained glass panes, all magnified. Fascinating. And it would work? Oh, yes, it would function as an ordinary telescope, so long as you squinted. <laughs> and what about the diamond? Well, it's certainly an odd one. Man-made, I assume, though there's no serial number. How so? Well, it, it has the chemical composition of diamonds, but it's more akin to pressurised methane. I would have presumed it was from a meteor, until I saw the obvious prank. <laughs> Tequila! Excuse me? Oh, I thought it was a little joke. Well, look, through the microscope, there's a tiny little fly's egg in there, 
or I guess it's some form of egg, there in the diamond, like a tequila worm. Definitely man-made, as flies' eggs wouldn't survive the heat and pressure needed to make a diamond. What? Right, um, yes, yes, it was a prank. I need to be going. Uh, thank you for your help, sir. This needs to find its way into the deepest part of the ocean, pronto. The diamond? That is literally the biggest diamond I've ever seen. We could sell it and fund our investigations for years. She dances in the diamond rain, more incandescent than the sun, with splendour mighty Saturn, like Metis on Jupiter's brain. Uh, what? It's what the diary said. The diamond has an egg in it, a tiny fly egg. And you think? Yes. What did you find on his hard drive? Dan found a heap of tax fraud in the files, and the money is going through the Pandora fund from Last in the Box. Last in the Box. Pandora. Hope. It's hope. Carter Stone is the man funding Little Hope orphanages. Jesus. And why do you think he has this? The picture she showed me was the one she recovered from the office of Carter Stone. It depicted the aftermath of a brutal tidal wave, debris and carnage washing through the streets. But on the houses not submerged were people in ill-matching clothing, seemingly out of place in such a disaster. It would certainly not be out of place with the other photos currently stored in our curse box, primarily the ones taken from Porham. Similarly enough, once flipped, it bore the same symbol that the others possessed. Walk heavy, display chains. However, unlike the previous photos we recovered, I also had a signature on the back, an A. Ramus, written with a steady hand. Why does that name ring a bell? Have we heard it before? Not that I could find, but when we interviewed Betty Parker in Porham, she told us that the photographer was European and his name began with an A. Not much to go off, but at least we have a surname for him. There's more. Oh, great. Some calendar entries mention the Observer. Oscar, most likely. Well, it mentions that he was taken away from the estate by a mutual friend of ours. Isabella Marwood. Yep. And not too long ago. Wonderful. One last thing. There's a folder on the drive simply called M. It's encrypted out the ass, though. Any idea what's on it? No clue. More dead ends. Wonderful. Where's Dan? Making sure the reports get to the right people. We have to be careful now. Norman is going to be hunting us down. Especially after you detonated his testicles with your foot. Anything in this report implicate him? Unfortunately not. Dan said he could put Carter in hot water for tax fraud, which will at least put some pressure on the Pandora Fund. But arresting the richest people in Britain for funding orphanages and theatre? That's a harder sell. Looks like we've made an enemy we're stuck with for now. Well, he can get in line. How are you doing? You seem to be looking better. I'm, I'm good, thanks. I guess I gained some perspective recently. I'm still having those nightmares, but it's easier not waking up alone. I'm glad. Honestly. <sighs> Fuck it. I need to lie down. Life is full of small victories, often marred with big defeats. If you don't stop to take the time and appreciate those around you and the progress you've made, well then you might just go mad. I left Abigail to do something I hadn't done in years. I prayed. I prayed for the poor playwright Oscar DeWitt, the man whose life, sanity and very being unravelled before my very eyes. 
I prayed that wherever Isabella had taken him, whatever remained, he was still alive. And maybe one day we could reunite him with his family. But I knew, deep down, no matter how hard I pleaded, Oscar DeWitt was nothing but a husk. Starring Jamie Evans as James Hunter, Isabella Barbieri as Abigail Corbin, and Luke Hunter as Dan Cowell. Also featuring... Kevin Stemp. Leanne Herring. Benton Hodges. Harry McElroy. Michael Heath. David Anthony Green. Haunted, the audio drama, is created by Jamie Evans, with all episodes produced and directed by Jamie Evans and Benton Hodges. Audio engineering by Benton Hodges and Jamie Evans. Haunted is a production of Impala Films and is recorded at Free Sprite Media Studios, with special thanks to Duncan Newham for equipment support. Opening and closing themes by James Crow. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation. Come back next week for the next exciting chapter of Haunted, the audio drama. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.